in. This is episode 30 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And in this edition, we're going to be uh, updating round two. Um, Bruce Boudreaux off the market. We'll tell you where he's going. Uh, also, uh, an interesting GM signing. Uh, another coaching firing as well. Uh, could he be going to Ottawa? Um, because... Bruce Boudreaux, we know where he's not going to at this point. Uh, and also uh, some other news and notables, including the Ageless Wonder returning for another year. But first, uh, a quick shout-out to all of the players, past and present, who have worn uh, the jersey number 30 in the NHL. And by players, I mean pretty much all goaltenders, because number 30 is a goalie number more often than not. And off the top of my head, uh, you know, Obviously, um, several legends who wore number 30. Uh, Chris Osgood won a couple of Stanley Cups with the Red Wings. Um, I'm probably going to forget um, a few names in the process, but the Hamburglar, although he's not legendary status, he was a part of a legendary run last year, and he wore number 30 during that. But uh, how can we not forget Martin Brodeur, probably the best goalie ever to wear the number 30. Uh, and probably the best goaltender ever to play in the NHL. So I'm probably missing uh, several notables uh, from this list, but uh, to keep it short and sweet, uh, to Martin Brodeur, to all the goalies past and present who have wore number 30 in the NHL, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brennan Steve. All right, Steve. so now we have the, uh, uh, now we do all the, so- the social media aspect of our program. So yeah, how la- you can get a hold of us, etc. Yeah, how you get a hold of us and networking and stuff. So, um, well, first off, uh, rate us on iTunes with, uh, you know, hopefully five stars, but, uh, <laughs> Just rate us. That's that's good. Yeah, that's how we don't get. Don't be shy. Be honest. Yeah. Uh, just um, just get us. Um, yeah. If it's one stars, then maybe don't do it. But if it's like five stars, then yeah, do it. Um, but uh, that's that's really how we get our uh, recognition. So, um, so yeah, that would be great. Uh, the Facebook page is Lace Them Up Podcast, where you'll be yep. updated by for all the upcoming episodes. It's the same with our Twitter account, uh, which is Lace M Podcast. No, yeah, Lace M Podcast. You can also email us at uh, laceupbag at gmail.com. Um, I believe that's it. Yeah. Um, and, Any uh, yeah. related questions, we welcome your uh, yeah. feedback and, and your questions. We will answer them on the show. Yep. Um, also, we'll have. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, SoundCloud. Um, but yeah, you, you're probably More likely how it. you're listening to this podcast right, right now. So yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Playoff talk. We're doing first. The second round is underway. Um, so I guess we're going to start with the Eastern conference, uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, which has been the most exciting series from my point of view. Uh, yeah. Pittsburgh's up three, two. Um, I was kind of surprised that it was even 3-1 back when, um, before game five yesterday, um, just because I thought Washington was going to win at least one of those games at Pittsburgh, um, but uh, Matt Murray's been incredible. Um, I guess there's a number of things that we could talk about here. Um, there's also, look, Kuznetsov hasn't been as great. Um, I'll just list them. Um, Letang uh, suspended one game. Brooks Orpic suspended three games. I think we talked about Orpic last time, but Letang got suspended for one game, and Pittsburgh won um, the game that he was out for, which was huge. Um, Murray's been fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, Kuznetsov hasn't been great. Oshie's been good, though. Um, um, Ovechkin finally... Uh, took charge yesterday. Um, yeah, so there's a number of different things we can talk about. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's hear what you, you, you have to say. Well, first off, a, um, a very tough week for uh, the Chris Letang family. Um, I, I heard um, 
I think it was through complete hockey news that his wife suffered a miscarriage. Oh, I didn't even know that. Wow. Um, and I think that was either a day before or a day after he got suspended one game. So a very right. tough week for him. Um, but uh, if there's one thing to describe the Pittsburgh Penguins for all of this is they've been resilient. Yep. Uh, and when you have arguably your best defenseman out of the lineup for a game, and Ole Mata's hurt. Wait. He's not playing, and there's your top two. Hold on. Before we We're, start, before you go, I just we just I just got news that uh, Guy Boucher is the new coach of the Ottawa Senators. What? Yeah. Get out. Breaking news, yeah. Wow. I did not <laughs> expect that. Oh. Guy Boucher to Ottawa. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So you heard it here first. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the Sens coaching search has ended before we could even uh, address it. Even talk about so, it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, on yeah, their we'll, it's we'll, on their we'll, site we'll, now. Yeah, it's we'll, on the we'll tackle, site. We'll tackle that now. Um, I'm sorry. Right, I was I was here. trying to. <laughs> no, no. But that. That's I guess we can mention that for later. Yeah, yeah. We can. Um, we can. We'll talk about that later. I guess. So. But yeah, <laughs> just get, getting back to the Penguins' resiliency. Yep. Um. When you have Chris Letang out of the lineup for one game and Mata gets hurt and he's out too and your top two defensemen are out uh, and you're relying on guys like Trevor Daly and uh, to, to kind of pick up the slack a little bit and Matt Murray who, like you mentioned, has played better than I think any of us expected him to play. Like I yeah. said before, he had potential. I didn't think he would be playing this well at, at this point in his career, but um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have hung around. They've been resilient. Their star players have been their star players, and the the third line guys, the fourth line guys, they've they've really picked up the slack too. And and that's what Pittsburgh needs as well. And they've been winning the close games too, which you know you look at their series with New York last year. It was a very close series, but New York won the majority of the close games. And Pittsburgh, uh, they, I think they won. Did they win game three in overtime as well? Uh, no, yeah, they did. I'm not sure if they did, but it was very close. Yeah. I'm sure they won game four in overtime. So I think game three games. was um, a laugh, or like, like it was a blowout from them. Oh, no, no, no. That was one of those games where, like, Matt Murray stopped, like, 50 shots or something oh, yeah, like that. 40, 47 yeah. to 49, yeah. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was sad, yeah. And I don't I know if it went to overtime, though. I don't think it yeah. did. Uh, no, I uh, did they? I don't know. Yeah, Anyways, let me check. I'll look. So Hold on. It again, like like you said, with with Matt Murray and and the defense, they've they've really held their own. Yeah, it didn't go but, to overtime. But yeah, sorry, but go on. <laughs> one thing I'm concerned about with Pittsburgh is that in Game Five, like a team like Washington, and you look at Pittsburgh two years ago, and after just this before, they had the Rangers up three one. The Rangers came back and they beat them in seven. Uh, the Caps had the Rangers three to one. They lost in seven in overtime last year. So when you're up three to one, you can't afford to give a team like Washington any kind of life support whatsoever. Because if you give them just any sort of momentum, then all of a sudden they become dangerous. And they outshoot Washington big time in game five. And Holby is playing like Brayden Holby has been playing all year. And I'm really concerned if I'm Pittsburgh right now. Even though I'm up 3-2 in the series going home in front of your home crowd, yeah. if they get off to a slow start, I'm really concerned about Pittsburgh's chances. Yeah. Because Washington all of a sudden is back in the series. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not – I mean, I, I, I picked the Penguins to win this series, but um, – I didn't really think that I, I knew it wasn't going to like, they weren't going to win game five. I felt like mm-hmm. the Capitals are too good to lose in game five. And, um, and Barry Trotz, that coach of the Capitals, he felt it too. And he addressed yeah. it at the end of the game where there's no way they were going to lose that game. Yeah, just, yeah. The, the body language, you know, people were staying positive in the dressing yeah. room. Uh, they came out strong and, and, and so, when, when when you play when you play as a team, it's amazing how yeah. good things happen. So that that game didn't bother me too much, or like bring a warning shot to them. But if they lose Game Six, then I think the Penguins are should be worried because then it's yeah. like, oh okay, we're like if they lose Game Seven or lose this series somehow, they have to like 
I don't know. Like that's that's like a devastating loss for the franchise. Um, I mean, I know the Capitals are better. Like we're ranked higher, but that's still you're up three one. You should be able to close it out. And I should yeah, know I'm yeah, a Bruins at, at the same time. You know, a we gave the Cavs a good run for the money, but yeah. b we had them. Yeah. We had them. We should have finished them, and we missed our shot. Yeah, I agree. If with that. you lose this series, that's what the mentality in Pittsburgh is going to yeah. be like because they were that close. But and, again, they're yeah. still up three two in the driver's seat as we're talking. So we and they, get and game message. six is at home. So yeah, exactly. Um, and they've won so, the first two at home as well. Yeah, and there's and there's still pressure on the Capitals now. I mean, it's like it's sure well, yeah. sure they want. I mean, obviously, but like you know, like they've still never to, made it to the conference finals in the Ovechkin era. There's yeah. a lot of pressure. I know, especially with how good Holtby, especially with how good Holtby has been mm-hmm. um, this year. Um, all right. Um, I'll be honest with this series. I haven't really watched too much of this uh, series, but we'll talk about it. Uh, Tampa Bay and the Islanders. Uh, Tampa Bay is up 3-1. Um, I think there's some notable stuff, like how uh, um, how Tampa is doing really well without uh, Stamkos and Strahlman, um, which is kind of impressive. Uh, uh, t- uh, Tyler Johnson has kind of, he always like tends to come out in the playoffs um, for whatever reason. Um, he's <laughs> He never is really that, he's okay in the regular season, but just like breaks out in the playoffs. This is the second year where he's doing that. Uh, Nikita Kucherov is also doing pretty well too. So um, yeah, um, Tampa, New York. I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the, the Islanders, you know, getting off to a strong start in Game 1, and Tampa had the perfect response in Game 2. And Game 3 and Game 4, both in New York, both went to overtime, and Tampa wins both of them. And you've got guys that, have, that haven't stepped up, you know, as often as probably people would have expected them to. They step up when they need them the most. Jason Garrison, absolute bomb to win Game yeah, 4, first I in the playoffs. Jonathan Drouin, after taking, and he stepped up before, but after taking that mammoth hit, uh, I can't remember who it was that uh, lowered the boom on that, but it, it shook him up really good in the second period. He left, he didn't return, he was pretty dazed. Comes out for the third period, and in Paul Correa-like fashion, doesn't score a goal, doesn't, you know, <laughs> rifle in top corner like he did on Brodeur, but he sets up the game-tying goal. And that's key because Tampa was down 4-3 at the time, and they go on to win that game thanks to a Brian Boyle overtime winner. And Brian Boyle, uh, again, you know, another third, fourth-line guy stepping up when they need him the most. And Ben Bishop is Ben Bishop. Yeah. And he made a couple of nice saves in Game 4. Bishop's been good, yeah. It, they're just rallying around each other. As I expected them to, this group is rallying around each other. They're playing as a team. Uh they're going neck and neck with the Islanders, and give credit to the Islanders for yep. giving Tampa all they can handle. And but Thomas Tampa's, Grice. Yeah, Thomas Grice especially, but Tampa Bay's experience is just too much for the Islanders mm. right now. And Tampa's been there, done that philosophy, has really carried them through these tough times. And I, I said before, and I'll say it again, uh, even with Stamco struggling with him, Hurts, this team can go on without him. And yeah. If they keep playing like this, there's still a whoever makes it out of the Pittsburgh Washington series is going to have their work cut out for them. It does make you wonder though, because you know this is Stamkos's last contract year. Yeah, like well documented. Like, is this gonna like like be like to yeah like is this gonna make Geiserman think like oh okay if they're this good without Stamkos, we can you know we can possibly we don't need them you know but. Um, I've sure also said happen, this but... before. They're a much better team with Stamkos in the lineup. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Strollman is a big the, part of their just lineup. Just because too. Jonathan Druin's playing and he's yeah. doing well, that doesn't mean he's going to be there next year. True. True. That's also that's a good point. But like, it is something to think about. Yeah. Um, uh, it again, it's going to come down to money and yeah. dollar signs and, and long term. But yeah. it. I mean, you know it. That's a, a guy like Steven Stamkos, he can really help your team. And yeah. if 
And if their intention is getting over the hump and winning a Stanley Cup, you're going to need a guy like Stamkos to help you do that. Yeah, no, that's Because true. getting to the conference finals is one thing, and maybe appearance in the Stanley Cup yeah. finals is one thing. But it's just disappointing when you get there so many times and you still have no cups to show for that's it. That's true. If you have a guy like Stamkos in the lineup that can help, uh, that can help you do that, then keep <laughs> him around. True. Yeah, but I, th- I don't think the Lightning have a chance against the Penguins or the Capitals um, if they don't have Sankos. Um, so that, that's something we'll, um, I guess we'll, we'll uh, They see. might push the Penguins to some, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be really tough to match up against Washington, um, um, especially yeah. if they come back and win that seven-game series. I mean... I don't know. Um, Even the Penguins look pretty good, um, but um, you're still discounting the Penguins. Um, but well, yeah. I've been discounting the Penguins for a lot, and they keep proving me wrong. So yeah. you're, you're you're right about that. I shouldn't <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't sleep on them entirely. But I yeah, mean, sure. you're you're looking at a Tampa Bay team that um was pretty darn good in in Game Seven scenarios last year, and you know, in their own right had had yeah, no, I, every I, right to be in the finals. No, I know. The, the Lightning are a good team. I just I think the I just think the Capitals and the Penguins are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference right now. I feel like they're better than the Lightning. Well, and, yeah, and you look at Carl Olsner, he acknowledged the Penguins as, as being the best team they've played against. Yeah. So it, you know, definitely, definitely full credit to Pittsburgh and Washington. You know, it's definitely and, been yeah. one of the more entertaining series, and, but it's... Yeah, it's a matter of whether or not the Crosby Obi rivalry, how much that has to do with, <laughs> you know, the, the the magnitude of how good these teams are. But true, I mean, and also you have to think about the fact that the Penguins have don't even speaking of not playing with their best player, um, Flurry. Well, I guess Flurry isn't really their best player. He's like he's cleared to start too. He has been their, for a couple of days now. He's like their fourth. He's like their fourth best player. Um, yeah. Maybe third best player. I don't know if Latang. I guess uh, it's it's arguable if Latang is better. At least, yeah, he's he's not as good as Crosby or Malkin to yeah. the team. But I, I'm just debating on Latang and Flurry. But um, but either way, they don't have <laughs> you know their starting goaltender, um, and you know Murray's been pretty good, but. Uh, yeah. I've also alluded to this on several key points throughout throughout the season. If Tampa loses Ben Bishop, that's going to be their downfall. Yeah, that's true. If they lose Big Ben, I they're really that. in trouble. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, no disrespect to Vasilevsky. He's yeah. good, but he's not Ben Bishop. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so Tampa plays today. Yeah, so they could end it today. They could end it today. Um, Although Sportsnet had the Islanders up 3-1 to one for some reason. That's weird. Yeah, what a uh, <laughs> what a story they've been, but uh, you know they're they're not that close to finishing off Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I guess that was just a typo on their part. Mm. But um, yeah, so uh, this will probably be posted on Monday. So um, <laughs> so this might be we might be discussing stuff that will be for like I don't know next. Um, um, so Tampa may have already won um, when you hear this. Uh, all right, let's go to the Western Conference. Uh, let's go to St. Louis and Dallas. Um, so this is sort of kind of surprising. St. Louis is up 3-2 um, in this series. Um, Tarasenko has, still hasn't gotten that much ice time, although he has scored a lot. Um, but uh, like he has, like, I think he's averaging like 16 minutes a game um, in this series. Um Especially for, like, a team like... Like, it's understandable for a team like Chicago that has a good defense. But a team like Dallas that doesn't really have great defense, um, average defense at best, um, it uh, it's kind of weird that he gets that much playing time. Um, but, um, yeah, so 3-2 St. Louis. I guess it's not that surprising when you consider that Dallas has bad goaltending. Um, I was actually talking to this to this with someone else about how, um, well, first off, I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, that Lindy Ruff got nominated for the Jack Adams. Um, yeah. And I was just, I was thinking about, like, like yeah, we, all, we always talk about how, like, the goaltending is the issue for Dallas, 
But isn't it isn't that sort of the coach's responsibility to like get them over the hump in that kind of stuff? Like, shouldn't the like shouldn't Lindy Ruff be um, responsible for all the defensive lapses and all the goaltending um, issues that they have? I mean, yeah, it is impressive that they've gone this far. They've they're the Central Division champion with a bad defense and goaltending. But they still, um, but there's still like a lot of flaws in this team, so it's not really surprising that St. Louis is ahead, uh, per se, especially without uh, Tyler Sagan. But um, and know. it's not really all that surprising to be honest. Like, did you yeah. see the f- first goal in Game Four? Yeah, yeah. Like with Tarasenko breakaway, they, they have six guys on the ice for 10 seconds the ref doesn't even notice and Tarasenko still wide open yeah and all he has to do is go five hole and he had another chance in the first period too and with he hits the the post. yeah and he hits the post like this is why I said before I'll say it again their defense will be their undoing and it was on that particular play and that is the play if there's a play that summarizes how how much they rely on offense. This Dallas Stars team relies on offense. If there's a play that shows you why they need five or six goals to win a hockey game, that's it right there. You can't win a series playing like that. You get right. a break from the refs, and you still leave possibly the biggest threat on the ice outside of Jamie Penn wide open. Like yeah. It can't happen. And they and, and it and it happened and he and he made the most of it. And the fact that Dallas got routed six to one also didn't surprise me in game three. I mean, the Blues offense, you know, won't light it up. But again, you, you saw how average Dallas's goaltending was. And not right. to say that, you know, they were at fault for all six of those goals, but again, average goaltending plus less than average defense. That's sometimes the kind of results you're going to get. And give Dallas full credit for sticking with it and hanging in there and keeping the series close. But ultimately, they've won a few battles, but I think they're going to lose the war unless they really start to amp it up defensively. And the question is, can they? I don't think they can. Yeah, I don't think they can either. But I um, I think it's it all really boils down to Tyler Singh and yeah, coming back. and the fact that he's not coming back for this series is huge. It's true, yeah. Um, I think that's bad. I mean, but at least they have, you know, they <laughs> they went out in the first, they, uh, they you know, they uh, won their first round matchup, so that's an improvement without Tyler Sagan. Um, but, yeah, they kind of need him now. They're uh, unlike, the, uh, unlike the Lightning. Um, and they're getting so, contributions from all four lines, to be fair. Yeah. Like, I... I like, Alice Hemsky, you know, he pulled off a great move. Hasn't really done all that much in the postseason from, from what I can see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, guys like Matthias Yamark and Cody Eakin coming up big and on several occasions. Um, but, uh, again, it's like there's been two goalie, goalie changes for Dallas this series in back-to-back games. Yeah. Games two and games three. And they lost both, and they lost both of them. So uh, a- again, it's it, it, it's it, the saying is, and it's an overused saying, but it's true. Defense wins championships, and defense is what's giving the St. Louis Blues the edge in this series. And again, St. Louis needs to close it out. They can't get, they can't afford to let Dallas get any kind of momentum. They have a chance to go in at home. And put the final nail in the coffin, and they got to do it because, as the saying, as another saying goes, anything can happen in Game Seven. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be critical of uh, um, Lindy Ruff. I was just, but I, I, was, I do have to say though, I do think they have to like figure out a um, their goaltending situation. Um, in the off season, I heard that there was a rumor that Lundqvist uh, may be a target for Dallas. 
I'm in the <laughs> off season, which would be interesting. That could be interesting. Uh, but Lundqvist has a no movement clause, so you'd have to remove that if you wanted to go there. But See, like, it's not if like they, the, if they got Lundqvist. Yeah, that could help put him over the top. I feel like that's true, yeah, but um, but I still feel like the, their defense isn't as good as they they should be. No, no, um, you're, you're I feel like right I feel like even if they did get a Lundqvist type player in goal, yeah, um, I don't know if that like if that means they're like I mean yeah they're obviously better, but well, I don't you're know. Going to find out how much of Lundqvist's success is based on McDonough and Girardi on the blue line because yeah, that too. They've, they've been they've been steady but, as. They've been steady on on the blue line for years in New York. But I also, but it also has to do with who knows how good the this defense is. Like I feel like the mm-hmm. defense is is okay. It could be better though. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's this team isn't a defensively built team when you look right. at their roster. That let's be honest. Yeah, and and, it's, and and everyone's pulling their weight offensively. It's just that. Yeah. It's impressive the that they got this far. And ultimately, also, the goal in order to win is. Score more than the other team. <laughs> yeah. and it's tough to score more than the other team when the other team is scoring more goals against you. True. And if it's defensive lapses and turnovers and plays like we saw in Game Four, where Tarasenko is wide open, you have six guys on the ice, you get away with it, and you still can't stop them. You can't yeah. cover them, and you leave them wide open like that. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to disguise the horridness sometimes this defense can produce. Yeah, like it's. It's it's definitely a serious problem, and it's what's holding them back from taking that next step. And and they've taken steps this year, but in order to be like a true Stanley Cup contender, their defense needs to be better. Yeah, um, yeah, they kind of like remind me of like Calgary or um, Colorado. I know they're yeah, advanced. Colorado, I think, is a more accurate. Comparison. I know, I know their advanced stats are you know like <laughs> Colorado and Calgary have like the worst advanced stats imaginable but um and Dallas has okay advanced stats but like um they kind of remind in terms of like what their weaknesses are um and their strengths are like they both have like crazy uh, talented um elite forwards but their like defense and goaltending needs some work yeah and Brian Elliott again he I don't think he's been as good as he was uh, against Chicago yeah but Again, keeping him in the game, shutting it down late. That's what the Blues needed out of their goaltending in previous years. They didn't get it, and they're getting it right now. Yep. All right. Um, and then the last series um, is Nashville-San Jose. Uh, there was this one, the game four, which was an epic. It went to three overtimes. Um, and then Mike Fisher uh, got the winning goal. Um, I actually stayed up for that entire game. Uh, which is kind of crazy, um, but um, there was that big play with uh, Joe Pavelski. He uh, it looked like he clearly goal- there was goalie in- interference. It, was, it looked like he was slightly pushed. Although, yeah, I was about to say, but, although yeah, it, again, he did he get tripped by goal. it did look like he got tripped by uh, Shea Weber before he went into the goalie. So I'm not entirely sure if it um, should have counted. But either way, San Jose is up 3-2. Um, I guess this is also not surprising, really, um, when you think about it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, San Jose has gotten a lot of uh, secondary scoring with Junis Donskoy, the Couture, and War. The Donskoy, J- Couture, and Ward line has been incredible for them. Uh, Pavelski has always been good. Um yeah, Thornton and uh, Marlu have been doing their stuff too, like they usually do. Thornton made um, a beautiful pass to yeah. set up. I think it was the two to one. Oh goal yeah, that was a beautiful five. goal. Yeah, that was a beautiful goal. That while true. getting checked. <laughs> yeah. Like perfect, yeah. right on the tape, bang in the net. Yeah, that was a good goal. Um, and and it, yeah, <laughs> that altercation between him and Barrett Jackman, like. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we all know what happened. You know, he stuck um, the stick into a very private area, Barrett Jackman, and he didn't <laughs> even flinch. Yeah. He just stood there. He just looked at it. He's like, really? Right. Really? You, you go you go to that? He, he just gives him a little stare down. And it, and it looked like he wanted to go with Thornton, too, <laughs> towards the end of the game. So there's some definitely animosity 
Um, and that should that might carry over into Game Six. And might. the storyline is you're not in trouble until you lose one at home because Games One and Two, that black hat going on the ice uh, helped oh, the yeah. Sharks. They won the first two games. Goes to Nashville. Nashville wins both. Ties the series at two. San Jose wins Game Five at home. Heading to Nashville for Game Six. The series will be over if San Jose uh, wins on the road. But wow. if they can't, then it goes back to San Jose. And again, anything can happen in Game Seven. Yeah, so, especially with this San Jose it, it, team. Is, it has been key in the series, and mm-hmm. it will be until it ends. Especially with this San Jose team that's been known to choke late in yeah. the playoffs. But, um, yeah, that is a good point. Although, and, and Couture, Couture you, 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 you hear his post-game, too. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he calls it the best 60 minutes uh, in Game 5, the best 60 minutes they have played in the entire playoffs. Yeah, Nashville was they, out they of the game. They built off a weary, like they lost in overtime, but three overtimes it took. Yeah. They gave Nashville as much as they could uh, handle in Game 4. And in Game 5, they just carried the momentum over, they kept pressing, and they got to them, and they went 5-1. Well, game 4 was the triple overtime game. But, yeah, uh, Game 4 is the triple, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I know that you mean that. It, it, yeah, yeah. They, it, it was weird, though. If they keep up that pressure, if I they feel, take their yeah. foot off the gas, I like San Jose's chances. Yeah. The only thing that stops them from playing their best and not winning is Pecorine. Yeah. And he was the reason why Nashville won Game 4. Yeah, I was about to say, I feel like Game 4, like it felt like San Jose, like they had so many more chances to win that game. Quality, um, yeah. Yeah, um... But, um, yeah, they just couldn't close it out. But, uh, yeah, so, but, like, they did play much better in Game 5. It didn't seem like Nashville was even in the game <laughs> um, in Game 5. So, but, like, it could happen. As you said, all the home all the home teams have won in this series. So, Nashville could just be, um, you know, <laughs> be more prepared for Game 6. What was interesting, though, at the end of Game 5 is putting Pecorine on the bench and getting Carter Hutton in for the final four minutes. Granted, yeah. it was like 4-1 to one at that point. But <laughs> that is interesting, though, yeah. Like, uh, other than maybe like making sure he doesn't get hurt in a meaningless stage of the game that you're probably going to lose and, you know, keep him for when you need him in Game 6, I don't know why Peter Laviolette would do that, but... Uh, it's just something I haven't seen in a very long time, yeah. especially, you know, um, in, in a playoff game. So are we? So for the next, so probably by the next time we're doing this podcast, probably all of these series will be done with. But um, so let's. Uh, I think we're. I think we're pretty much set with, except for Pittsburgh, Washington. I think we have. We're pretty sure that it's going to be Tampa Bay, St. Louis, and San Jose in the next round. Um, so, t- uh, you you think Tampa Bay, St. Louis, San Jose, and two of St. Louis, Dallas? I just said St. Louis. Oh yeah, Tampa Bay, St. Louis. It's just Pittsburgh and Washington. I think Pittsburgh's going to win. I don't know. Okay, if- I think Pittsburgh's going to win. So Pittsburgh, Tampa, uh, St. Louis, Louis, and San, San Jose. Jose. Do you, is that is that your prediction too? Um, because I feel like you you want Washington. I or you I think Washington's well, I Washington, gonna... Tampa. Okay, Washington, Tampa. And um, in, in the West, as much as I would like to see San Jose go to the finals, because I think this is their best, the, yeah. one of the best shots they've had of doing so in a while, considering especially uh, with uh, LA out. West out of the way. Yeah. Um. I would like to see San Jose make it, but I'm really pulling for Nashville. Yeah, I'm pulling like for to them too. It for, I'd like to see them make it to the conference finals. So I think Nashville, St. Louis. I'm pulling for them too, but I think you're right though. In terms of like just watching last night's game, I feel like San Jose um, just played overwhelmingly better than Nashville yeah. did. So I, f- I feel like I'm pulling for Nashville, but I think San Jose is going to, uh, close it out. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll know more. That's the same with Dallas too. I'm hope I'm pulling for Dallas, but I think St. Louis is the better team. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let's do the rapid fire here. Um, Boudreaux to wild. I guess this is actually a good fit for them. Uh, yeah. Um, they, uh, (laughs) this, 
it's funny because before we, I was going to like mention how like, oh, well, this is all like a thing about how the senators should have gotten him and whatnot. But now that they well, got they their own. they for five hours. Yeah. So. But uh, yeah, and then I guess there was like some contract thing or I was reading about that or something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. senators went with a, went in a different direction, which we'll talk about right after. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Boudreaux to a while, I feel like this is a good fit for him. Um, it is, it is interesting though, that now the central division gets even tougher, um, with, uh, him in the division with Minnesota. Um, but, um, yeah, they have a, you know, they have a good offense, although it is the same situation with their, their goalie. I guess Dubnik is maybe slightly better than Frederick Anderson, but, um, or John Gibson, but, um, you know, it is kind of the same situation where, uh, where (laughs) it's just, we should talk, we should wait until they make it to the playoffs and they win a game seven. You look at Bruce Boudreaux Mm -hmm. and yeah, game seven, the cloud's going to be that will be hanging over his head until that's we, true. No matter know, where he goes, success in Game Seven. No matter where that's he true. goes, that's true. But regular season success, he can't deny the results. That's true. That's true. And it, the appearances in the playoffs, they speak for themselves as well. But you look at Bruce Boudreaux. He goes into Washington. He gets Backstrom on his team, and he gets Ovechkin on his team. You go to Anaheim. You got guys like Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry on your team. Now you go to Minnesota with guys like Ryan Suter and Zach Parise on your team. Devin Dubnik, who had an unreal year um, a year ago. Um, he's, I think he's choosing to go to the place that already has the pieces for success ready to go. And just, you know, with a little bit of, you know, Hard work, determination, which he can provide, and he has done so in the past. All they need is to be pushed in the right direction, and this team is going places. Yeah, I guess that's so a good I think point. out of the coaching vacancies, this made the most logical. This made the most logical sense for Bruce Boudreaux, in my opinion. Although I don't know, I feel like the Flames are in a good position too. But yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's... See, see the Flames, I'm, a, I'm perplexed about the Bob Hartley firing, and here's why. Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Oh, but, okay, okay, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, but I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I feel like the Flames would be working for him, too, because of the whole... Cause, because of, like, their forwards, um, and they have a better defense than the Wild, I feel like, so... But, um... But and and the, the, you know point. what the key is, though, for Bruce Boudreaux? This is the this is going to be a test for him. Yeah. Because you got Chicago, Dallas, and St. Louis in your division. Well, that's why I was saying you got that. got three top-tier teams yeah. to, beat, uh, to compete against. You know, in Washington, you know, he had some good teams to go right. up against, of course, and, uh, during uh, his days in, in their division. And, right. you know, this was back in the Southeast Division <laughs> where there weren't really too many, you know, big – threats. Right. Well, I was going to say, though, I feel like... Washington, but... Yeah. And then in Anaheim, pretty much it's just L.A. And, and maybe San Jose. San Jose for a time. Yeah. But now you've got three top teams to compete anyway, against in your division that you'll be facing four or five times a year. That's going to be a critical juncture for Bruce Boudreaux to overcome if he wants to have any kind of success in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. And I... Well, I was about to get to that, too. I feel like if he chose... If he chose the Senators spot or the flame spot that's a easier way for him to get to the playoffs um i guess he just wants especially if he chose ottawa i feel like it's very easy to um to make it in the atlantic division um, yeah though i i think just with the amount of teams that just with the landscape of how the teams are in in the atlantic division are right now um, i think he prefers but, a couple of veterans though on the team again like, yeah, you but, look at Ottawa and Calgary, they're relatively young teams. You know? Regardless true. of how talented they are, they're very, very young. Yeah, I guess that's true. That may have been a factor for him. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, but at the same time, would you rather coach Mark Giordano or Eric Carlson? Or, I guess he chose Ryan Suter. But, like, I mean, I, don't know, I guess they're all in the same kind of boat. Um, 
It is a tough thing to say. But speaking of the Senators and the Flames, we'll talk about them right now. Uh, Guy Boucher just got signed with the Senators. Breaking news. Um, although I guess it won't be breaking news when you guys hear it, but um, it's breaking news for us. Uh, so Guy Boucher to the Sens. I actually like this move. Um, it's been a while since Guy Boucher has been in the league. Um, and he uh, so he plays the Lightning in their division. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, yeah. We gave I think... up Ben Bishop, but we got your former coach. How do you like that, Stevie Fly? <laughs> yeah. Ours. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's an interesting move. I, I like the, uh. It's the only move they could have made. Yeah. Like, three-year deal, um, 12th coach in team history, in modern-day team history, um, 44 years of age, led the team, led the Tampa Bay Lightning to the conference finals in 2011. So he, he's, he's had success in the postseason. But again, the, the danger is after that big season right. that Guy Boucher had, they missed the playoffs. And then they got worse and worse after that. Yeah. yeah. So, see, that's the thing with, with Guy Boucher is you want sustained playoff success and Bruce Boudreaux has had sustained success to get into the playoffs. But not sustained playoff success, though. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> again, I said last week, the Sens don't need a guy that can win a game seven. They need a guy to get him in the playoffs year in, year out right true, now. True, true. And and yeah. that, that is what Bruce Boudreaux provided. And Guy Boucher, that's not to say he won't provide it. Yeah. But based on the limited amount of, of um, you know, years coaching in the NHL, you know, it's tough to say that, you know, he can – he can get the sustained kind of success to get into the playoffs that the Sens are looking for. We know what to expect with Bruce Boudreaux. Guy Boucher, you know, there are still some question marks with how far he can take this team, but he's the most logical hire they could have made, in my opinion, to, to better fit this team. I think he can provide a bit more structure than Bob Hartley can because, see, the thing with Bob Hartley is it perplexes me why the Flames decided to fire him. Because they're still rebuilding, regardless of the success they had last year. They're still a rebuilding team. They're still a young team. It didn't. It it was disappointing they didn't make the playoffs. It didn't surprise me at the same time. Right. When you're a rebuilding team, you don't expect to fire a coach unless you know you really see somebody that you like or something happened that you're just that really puts a seed of doubt in your mind and you wonder, you know, do we need to go in a different direction? So that's that's what perplexed me about the Bob Hartley firing is that. Yeah. You know, they weren't expected to really contend, I don't know about that. But it, it it it's it's tough to it's 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 tough to really evaluate, you know, how much of that was on Bob Hartley this year. I don't know if that's true. I feel like cuz they got Dougie Hamilton, they went to the playoffs last year. Um so I don't know if that's necessarily true that they weren't planning on contending this year. Um, I agree. I feel like, I don't know if this is something that we talked. Oh, oh wait, actually, before we get on to Hartley, I just want to ask you a question. So would okay. you, so you said that you, uh, you so do you think, Boucher, first off, do you, th- you think Boucher is a good fit for the Senators? I think at the time, it's the best fit that they could find. Okay. And, and if they so, took too long, Calgary would have snatched him easily. Yeah, okay. And someone else would have. Right. And do you think the so would you rather have Bouch, Boucher or Boudreaux? I would have Boudreaux. Okay. But again, we couldn't get him. So we right. went with the next best thing and that was Guy Boucher. Fair enough. But fair you enough. never know. Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. In five years we could look back and say, Man, that was a good hire. That's, or that's true. we could still sit yeah. back and say, Yeah, I Fair mean, enough. I I, I I thought like for a second I thought you meant like, oh Bouch like I'd rather have Boucher than Boudreaux. But yeah, based that's... on experience to get to the playoffs, Boudreaux has the better resume. He has the longer resume. Right. But he's he's had a little bit more to work with too, wherever yeah. he's gone. Yeah. So I'm giving Boucher the benefit of the doubt. Um, he's had some experience overseas as well, so that definitely helps. Yeah. Um, and he may have learned his from his time overseas to um, and, improve. And that being said, you know, yeah. if you lose Guy Boucher, the best NHL experience ready coach at the table is Bob Hartley. Yep. Yeah. After he just got fired from Calgary. <laughs> 
Well, and yeah. I, I'm not really waiting on Ken, uh, St. Louis to collapse and Ken Hitchcock to be fired. Right. In order to get that kind of a caliber of coach, because yeah. I doubt that's going to happen, especially if St. Louis hangs on. So yeah. it's it's the best hire they could have made given given uh, the thin list that uh, they already have. So they yeah. they went with the best of the bunch. That's what Pierre Dorian was going with. The best coach available is who they went with. Yeah, that was Guy Boucher. All right, now we'll, now we'll go to Hartley fired. We're we've kind of been teasing this for a while. Uh, yeah, so Hartley got fired a year after he um, after he made the playoffs and won the Jack Adams. Um, the Jack Adams curse, I think, is pretty yeah. prevalent because although well, Dave Cameron didn't win it, yeah. you can be sure he was in a top five conversation at least. Right, and it's also. And also, Patrick Waugh won the year before, and he should have been fired, I guess. But, yeah, um, he could have been, yeah. Yeah, he could have been fired, but he wasn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I so... Glenn Vignon, did, uh, Vignon was in the car. I mean, really, the Jack Adams really should be for, like, you know, like, it should be like Babcock and Sutter ever, in Quenville every year. It's like... Mm-hmm. It's always kind of like it's it's silly with the Jack Adams. It's always like who made the biggest improvements. It's not like who That's is true. the best when coach. You're, when you're part of a um, like a Babcock has never won. It's, it's yeah. tough to tell how much of that is the coach and how much of that is yeah. the, the team that you have. This tells before. you something about the Jack Adams. Babcock has never won a Jack Adams award, yeah. and he's still considered the best coach. Currently in the NHL, and he's getting paid like it, and he's getting paid like it. Um, so and Bruce Boudreaux, I should mention, yeah, he don't, he's getting paid about it was a four year, eleven million dollar contract, so that's less than three million. Yeah. But um, yeah, let's let's go back to Hartley. We're kind of all over the place okay. here, yeah. but um, yeah, so uh, Calgary, um, yeah, I mean, you just said that you didn't think that. Calgary was a contender. Yeah, they kind of overachieved last year. Um, and I guess, I don't know if we've actually ever talked about this with advanced stats or not. But I think I had them as a playoff team, too. I thought they were going to do well, but it wouldn't surprise me if they suffered a step back because that's what Ottawa did when yeah. they had their yeah, fair enough. 2013. So. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about advanced stats here or not. No, um, I don't really dig too deep in that. Yeah, but um, we... Uh, I mean, for me, I feel like like people were saying like advanced staffs was proof that the Flames weren't going to do well this year, that they were going to take a step back because they don't yeah. have great possession numbers. Um, but, I mean, there is something to it, to the fact that like, yeah, they don't have great possession numbers, but they still managed to make the playoffs and win a couple, you know, it's just like, like yeah, they overachieved a bit, but... Um, it's still like impressive of what he did as a coach there last season. That's the same with the Avalanche two years ago with Patrick Waugh. But yeah. um, yeah, I mean, like uh, partially had to do with like Farlamov playing out of his mind and Ramo playing out of his mind. But um, at the same time, like I feel like that's the o- the only issue I have with advanced stats is that yeah, it's cool. Like I feel like it's better than plus minus Corsi or is better than plus minus and PDO is an interesting stat to look at. But I don't think it's the grand all end all cuz cuz then I feel like what it doesn't explain why Calgary was able to be good this year and why um Colorado was able to be good last uh 2 years ago. Um so I think the special teams this year if I'm not mistaken yeah. similar to the Sens this year and I keep comparing them to the Sens but <laughs> It is tough to when you look at the the penalty kill in their power play. I think it was like the Sens, yeah. You know, in the bottom third of the league at yeah. best. Yeah, that's true. I feel like the the Flames underachieved even. So I guess it makes sense to fire him because of that. But yeah, I guess you're right. At the same time, it's like um, they weren't. We all knew, kind of knew that they were going to fall back down to earth i guess but yeah and it and, and like you know even after you know they they had that mm-hmm. off year um paul mcclain stuck around yeah yeah i wonder maybe paul speaking of paul Not mcclain long, but he stuck around at least yeah he made it through the off season but 
and now the question is, you know, Bradshaw living the the GM of the Flames said he felt that this was as far as Bob Hartley could take this team. Yeah. What makes you think the next coach can take them even farther than Bob Hartley got? Because Bob Hartley, he's had some success in the NHL. He got a lot out of his players. They never gave up. They never quit. Yeah. And they lost. And they lost a lot of close games. Yeah, I think I I think you're right. I think Hartley will be back in the NHL soon. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly. Maybe not this season, but um, he'll be back. Um, I'm not sure who the Flames will hire, but because as you mentioned before, there aren't really too many coaches that are available. Um, Especially now that Boucher's off the market. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we'll see. Um, we're actually short for time right now. We have 10 minutes left. Uh, so <laughs> we'll do these quick. Um, so the Hart nominations, um, Patrick Kane, Jamie Benn, Crosby. Kind of surprising that Crosby got in just because of how horrible his first half was. But um, he was on another level in the second half. So I guess there's something to that. Um, I was kind of surprised that Jamie Benn was also nominated. I guess I would have like maybe like Holtby. Um, or, uh, yeah. or even Eric Carlson. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, um, snu- I'm a bit surprised that Holby was left off that. Or even Eric Carlson would be, would have been a good choice too. Yeah. But, um, I know, I know the, the Senators didn't make a playoffs, but he meant like, he, like, if you think of the heart as the MVP, the most valuable player to your team, like imagine the Senators without Eric Carlson. Like, you know, the Senators probably would be up there with the Maple Leafs and the yeah, Oilers. certainly Eric Carlson so, plays, plays a huge role, but it's just yeah. like very personal. I, under, I understand, though. Take cause them off the Capitals, they're an yeah. average team. They're an average team that if they make the playoffs, they're a wild card. Yeah. And, and he was playing out of his mind yeah. uh, for most of the season, a big reason why. Mm-hmm. And, and like, Car- um, you look at guys like Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, I know he had the big, uh, no, uh, no other American has had a season like Patrick Kane has, point production-wise. Yeah. But he's not the reason why Chicago made the playoffs. Right. And Jamie Penn, you know, even though Tyler Sagan missed uh, the last month or so of the regular Well, I think season, that's probably why he got nominated, because of yeah. that whole Tyler Sagan injury. Yeah. and he but played. still, you know, that's... Yeah. You know, the rest of the time, you know, he was he was playing, uh, you know, with with Tyler Sagan, not often on the sometimes, not all. Well, that's not necessarily true. He was second. Yeah, he was the second goal scorer on the team on in the league. But yeah, Crosby is Crosby. He's got Malkin on his team, so that's why I'm a bit shocked. Like, if there's one guy that I thought should have been on that list, it's Braden Holby. Yeah. Um, although I guess at the same time, since Carey Price let one last year, um, it's kind of, um, you know, two goaltenders in a row. Um, that's kind of unheard of, but at least he'll hope he will, is definitely a lock to win the Vezina though. So, oh, yeah, I, I'd be shocked. If he so we shouldn't feel too bad for him. But, uh, I, um, I, but I yeah, I think, I think, I think Kane think, is going to win it. Yeah, if me Holby too. Holby was in that conversation, Holby wins, but I yeah. think it's Patrick Kane all the way. Especially with how... How much? Well, first off, Kane I think is the only one to get over a hundred points um, in the last two years, and I think he like like the next closest this season was like had like eighty points. So yeah, um, so that's so he yeah, he to be deserves up there, it. No question, he deserves it. But I don't I don't think the Hart Trophy is exactly the best player. It's just the. It's not. He's not really the most, most valuable. valuable. Yeah, uh, to, exactly. to the success of the team, and, and yeah. no more glaring than Holtby, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's that's why I was a bit shocked. All right. Um. So Jack Adams, uh, Barry Washington's Barry Trotz, yeah. Um, Gerard Gallant, Florida, and uh, Lindy Ruff from Dallas. Um. I think it's it's uh, this is tough, but I think it's going to go to Gallant. I think. I'm rooting for Gallant. Because yeah. no one expected Florida to be this good. Yeah. Um, especially with the amount of youth that they yeah. had. And, you know, they had several other pieces that, you know, contributed to that. But Glant, in his second year, second or third year with the team, really put them in, uh, pushed them in the right direction. Yeah, they've, they've had they us. Were, they were leading the Atlantic Division, which no one expected <laughs> them to do. Yeah, they have a, they had a significant 
a change from last year to this year, and this is coming and from someone. And they're putting fans in the stands yeah. too in Florida, which is something that hasn't happened in quite some time. So no yeah. doubt he deserves to be out there. And this is I'm, root- I'm rooting for Gallant, but it's hard to argue why Barry Trotz shouldn't get it. Um, and this is coming. I hope Gallant gets it, but it wouldn't surprise me if Trotz wins. Yeah, me neither. But um, yeah, uh, this is coming from. This gives me a hope as a Bruins fan that. Uh, you know, it, it can happen that, like, someone on the verge of the playoffs every year finally makes it into the playoffs. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's either Trotz or Gallant. It, but at the same time, you, you have to be cautious who wins it, considering who won last year and the year before. And the year before. Um, all right, Calder, this is going to be a contested one because there's a lot of good rookies. Uh, so, Artemi Panarin... Uh, Shane Ghost Despair and uh, Mc- Connor McDavid were the three guys. Um, I mean, there are a couple of snubs, but I guess like Eichel and um, Eichel is the biggest one for me. Yeah, and I think um, also um, Eichel and Larkin. Yeah, Larkin. I was going to say those two uh, would have been good nominations too, but I think uh, those three are probably the best ones. Cause yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Panarin had some success with Patrick Kane, uh, so that might hurt him. Um, and you uh, know, well, it might, and also McDavid also, if you missed. Look at the void left by Patrick Sharp. Yeah, and by Panarin playing as well as he did, they didn't feel that uh, as much of the void as probably a lot of people were expecting yeah, I guess for a good chunk of the year. Never drafted by a team, he was signed. Yeah. And, and to have a season like that, and he, as he did, and yeah, mm-hmm. he had a lot of success with Patrick Kane. But the loss of Patrick Sharp was limited greatly thanks to Artemi Panarin. Yeah, but I so feel he like... he deserves to be up there. I feel like he benefits a lot by having Patrick Kane on his line. Yeah. But I don't know if that... I feel like he's still going to win it, though. Um, McDavid would win it if he played the full season. Yeah. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he won it, but... Um, but I feel like the voters are like gonna take that into account that he missed like a, a, like two months. But like he was uh, even still, he was like at a point per game pace. So um, that's still impressive uh, despite the injuries. And Ghost Bear, of course, he's he's taking over the nation with an emoticon. Um, he's, he's he's my choice to win. Really, you think yeah. he's gonna win? I think it's Panarin. More overtime winners. You look at the success Philly had with him. I think it's going to be Panarin. The playoffs. He was a huge part of that yeah. run. I, point streak. It's tough to argue for a defenseman yeah. to put up 40-plus points in a rookie season no, and have that much impact on a team's success. Like, no disrespect to Connor McDavid or Timmy Panarin. They're both really good players. But my heart's with Ghost Bear on this one. I hope he wins. Yeah, it would I, surprise me if either of the other two won. Right. Because it's a very tough call. Like last year, either one of the three could have won it. Yeah. And it's going to be the same this year. But I think Ghost Bear, um, as far as timely scoring, I think Ghost Bear has it. Yeah, I agree with that. I hope he wins, but I don't think he will win. It yeah. is kind of cool, though, that it's the Russian, the Canadian, and the American um, in the powder. <laughs> um, and it, and it, the Eichel versus McDavid, you know, everyone thought it would be them neck and neck. Right, right. And Eichel's not even in the conversation. That's no well, disrespect he did, he did, to Eichel either. But he had a good he had a good season too, though. Oh yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's okay though. Um. And then the Ted Lindsay. Uh, I think this is just. I guess this is what we want the heart to be. It's the best overall. So this is Kane, Jamie Ben, and Braden Holtby. Yeah. Um. I think Kane has this though. Although it wouldn't surprise me if Holtby won that one either. Yeah, I think I think Holtby's gonna. Um. Uh, let's do these quick. We have two minutes left. Yager, one year to Florida. We kind of teased this yesterday, uh, last uh, cla- uh, last episode. Um, but yeah, so he's staying in Florida for at least a year to impact uh, to show how much of an impact this guy has. I, one of the the people I work with, yeah, she doesn't really follow sports at all. <laughs> but you, I just have to say Yarmer Yager and immediately get her attention. And she will join our <laughs> fantasy hockey pool as long as she has Yarmer Yager on her team. That's how yeah. much of an impact he still has on the game. Yeah. So nice to nice to have him back for um, another season. 
Yeah, um, it is cool, and I guess, and you're right, if he had to go to another, if he had to play another year, it had to be Florida, I think. He yeah, just and, and, and the, the amount of points, like, especially yeah. will score, like, 60 to 70 points, he's, he's still got it, why, why yeah. wouldn't he resign? Right, exactly, especially with how he played this season. Um, Arizona signed a 26-year-old, he's, for, uh, for scale, uh, he is two years older than I am. Uh, Jonathan Sheka is his name. He's apparently really big in the uh, whole uh, advanced stats realm. Um, Kyle was 2.0. Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, Tippett uh, for five years. I think that apparently that's why uh, Sheka was fi- uh, hired, was Tippett really likes this guy um, and wanted him as the GM. And so Tippett has a lot of sway in that uh, organization. Um, and the fact they gave him a, a VP a five role, year. I believe, as yeah. well, is why Dave Tippett is still around and gets a five-year extension, which is good because yeah. I think he's the perfect coach to coach this team for, for the time being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, obviously, hiring a 26-year-old GM is a pretty bold move, but uh, yeah, I'll be it's interested like to see. with a young team that you hire a young GM, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It is, I'll be interested to see how this works because. Uh, I feel like this has been the this is might be the youngest GM ever to be hired. I think he's older than thirteen of his players. <laughs> That's what I heard. Um, so um, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see, especially with this whole advanced stats thing. I feel like it could be improved, but for yeah, probably in stats, a couple but, of years you'll you'll really see this team to start to take shape. Anyway. Yeah, but um, but like yeah, it's kind don't of don't staying for another year too. By yeah. the way. So it is kind of interesting though that Don Maloney like did all the hard work and now yeah. and now Chica is gonna like get all the benefits from it, but whatever. Um, Drake Kagigula, I know I'm gonna, I know I mispronounced that, but he uh, signed with Edmonton. Um, he's a uh, North Dakota. He was undrafted, so he wasn't drafted by anyone. But um, so he could have signed is, with anyone. But he signed with Edmonton. Um, I think there was this one, uh, the last guy, uh, free agent out of college to sign with Edmonton was Justin Schultz. Yeah. So uh, keep an open mind, Oilers fans, it might not work out so well. But, uh, well, I don't even know if he's a great fit for him because he's another forward. So yeah, I like Edmonton and, needs and, another forward. And they need defense. And, and again, uh, yeah. if they have any chance of trading the fourth overall pick for a veteran defenseman, they got to do it. They probably that's will do. What this team needs. Or they could draft a uh, defenseman, but yeah, but yeah, they need one. I guess they need one in the. Any shutdown defenseman in the top ten, really? Isn't there Jolie Levy or a Chicken? Levy, yeah, but I don't. I think he's more known for his offense too. Oh, okay. like they, they don't need flash and dash. They need shutdown. Well, defense. they do have Darnell Nurse in their system. But yeah, yeah, but they need a veteran presence. They can't wait three or four years for Darnell Nurse yeah. to be that guy. They need someone right now, and All there right. are plenty of others right now they can get with that fourth overall pick. Um. Like, yeah, that's true. But it, I, I, I felt like that was a strange signing for. For him, yeah, no, because uh, no, you could go, race. you could literally go anywhere, yeah. and he cho- chooses Edmonton, which is like a place that literally doesn't need you. Um, Probably looked at the fact <laughs> Connor McDavid was on that team, he was like, yeah, I'll play that same line. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right; that may they may have played a factor in him, but like at the same time, like I feel like I think Buffalo was scouting him out. He could have played with Eichel. Um, I don't know. I would, I would have thought that could have worked. Um, or Philadelphia, he could have played with Giroux. Um, but, um, yeah, and so we're kind of out of time. But um, but we do, I guess we can just mention the Worlds. Um, it is at, there's a quote today that Ga- Brendan Gallagher and Brad Marchand are yeah. good friends now. Which is weird as a Bruins fan. But um, it is cool that people are now finally... Understanding how good Brad Marchand can be, yeah. um, it feels. I feel like the world's. Um, I feel like Canada's just going to take over the world's. Um, I know. I know Patrick Laney and uh, Austin Matthews have been really good so far in the World Championships, but um, I think uh, Canada did a good job. I think Canada's going to do well. But yeah. Laney had a good first game. Yeah, and, and Matthews had a good game against Belarus as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, just quickly, CHL playoffs, London up on Niagara 2 nothing already in that series. 
Uh, pair of overtime wins for the Brandon Wheat Kings. They're up 2 nothing on the Seattle Thunderbirds. All that's subject to change. And yep. in the Q final, we got Ruin Naranda, including uh, since prospect Francois Perron, uh, on the Ruin Naranda Huskies. They're taking on the Shawinigan Cataracts. And uh, apparently in the second period, I think it was game one or game two, um, this oil-like substance started oozing out of the ice while they were drilling a hole for the posts, and they had to suspend play. Apparently a pipe burst. Well, So uh, not something that you see every day. I'm just... No, uh, you don't. I'm I feel just, like that I'm happens like... the QMJHL site to see I feel one. Like that I know happens. they had to replay on a different day. I feel like that um, happens a lot. Like a lot of like weird stuff like that happens in the CHL all the time. Like yeah. oil leaking or like I don't know floods or something like that. Yeah. Um, so just taking a look at the numbers here. Well, we Huskies, don't have a ton of time. Huskies but, okay. beat Cataract as uh, win again four two in game one, and in game two, uh, Huskies win four to one. So they're up two nothing in that series over Shawinigan. again. So. Uh, to this point, uh, two nothing series leads for uh, Ruin Naranda, London, and um, Brandon. So we'll see how that unfolds. As of course we mentioned in the past, Red Deer hosting this year's tournament, so they're in no matter what. Yeah, and the, the Memorial Cups next week is that right? Uh, it starts on the twentieth. Oh, okay. Twentieth. Oh, so, so we have Friday. so there's two weeks. So yeah, but it's coming close. Okay. Only a few episodes away. Yeah. All right. I'm uh, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and we'll talk again in episode 31 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Yep.